Thank you, Brother Borders. Let's just remain standing while we have prayer. I wonder who has a request tonight. But raise up your hands and say, Lord, it's me. Now let us bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, as we hear that song, Lord, I believe, we can think of the, uh, the times that around the world, I've heard that in so many languages, Lord, I believe, only believe. And Father, we pray that it'll be more than a song to us tonight. it become a reality. May we have great faith in Thee tonight. And now we pray for this little church, its pastor, our brother Fuller, your servant, a brother we have confidence in. And we pray for his family, his workers here, the deacons, trustees, and all that come into these hallowed doors. We pray, Lord, it will always remain a lighthouse for Jesus Christ. That's all the ministering brethren that are here tonight, those who've come in and out with us all along the road. We pray, Father, that you will bless them abundantly. And we ask tonight for another outpouring of thy presence upon us. We are needy, Lord. We need thee. We're constantly in need because we're here on the battlefield, Lord, where the decisions has to be made. And we pray, Father, that you will constantly encourage us with thy presence. It does so much to us to know that you're with us. Just show yourself present, Lord, and then it encourages us to move on. Heal the sick and afflicted. Save the lost. Encourage the discouraged. Get glory unto thyself. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I believe it was David said, I was happy when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Billy said a while ago, said, aren't you getting kind of tired, Dad? I said, yes, I've been tired all my life. It's got, so I got used to it. I begin to think, well, I'm getting too old. I ought to kind of let up a little, and then somebody come along about 80 or 90 years old, just burning up the country. <laughs> I'm really twice my age, you know, and I'm ashamed of myself. Down at the tabernacle at home, there's a little old couple by the name of Kid comes down there from Ohio. Now, they're both in their well, and they're 85 or 88, and they're so old um, until... They can't go into churches much more because they're, they haven't got enough voice. But you know what they do? About every tape, this little old woman saved her money and bought a tape recorder. And um, so uh, she ta- gets a tape. I send her tapes. And she'll take these tapes and she'll go to hospitals. <laughs> I remember that she can put this tape recorder her and her little old husband playing them tapes. And then I'll send her a big roll of a prayer clause that I prayed over, and every once in a while, Brother Willie, I'm out of prayer clause again. And then when I see them, she come into church, little white hair, little shawl, and he a little bitty fellow. About four or five years ago, when I was at the what is the name of that place in Ohio where they had that convention each year? Uh, they call it Chautauqua, but I forget. That's on the grounds there. But what uh, the name of the city is, I can't think of it. Now, it's, you're right close. Now, somebody said, we go right through Miami. And, 
It's close to Franklin, yes. That's right. right in, I believe it's in between Franklin. Middletown. That's it. That's right. So, that's right. Middletown, down the river. <clears throat> so that Chautauqua grounds in there. That's that great basketball athletical center there. And uh, this brother, oh, I've known him for years, and little old brother kids, oh, I guess he's 80, when they take him over, and the doctors found out that his prostrates had turned to malignancy. And so his growth just wrapped him around. Well, they said they'd have to be operated. So when they opened him up, well, there's no need of operating. He's too far gone. See, said there's no way of doing it at all. Well, it brought the little fellow home and the operation hard on an 80-year-old man. And he only weighed about, oh, I guess, less than 100 pounds. So Mrs. Kidd called up down. I'd just come home from somewhere. Brother Kidd was dying. And said he wants to see you, Brother Brandon, before, you, before he leaves. Well, Billy and I took a turns about. We got the message one night about 10 o'clock. We started the next morning about 4 because... At noon the next day, I had to leave again. And we almost tore the tires from our car getting up there. The little old fella, they got him up when I got there, and he had a little shawl over his shoulder, sitting there like an old patriarch. <laughs> uh, he just done something to me. And when I went to look at him, look over his another old la- lady, said there had been one of the members of his church since he preached in the mountains, cold country in Kentucky, where she washed for 15 cents a day to send her husband out into the fields to preach the gospel. That was about 10 years before I was born, preaching the message. And um, he looked over and he called her grandma and him 80 years old. And she was past 90. And so he said, Grandma, you look white as snow. <laughs> I thought that's the way for a minister to look at somebody's congregation. Laying, sitting there dying. Grandma, you look white as snow. And, and he looked back around and he said, Brother Branham? And I said, yes, Brother Kid. He said, well, I guess it won't be long till he'll send my chariot down. He said, I'm going up this morning. And I said, it's wonderful, Brother Kid. I said, that's the way to feel. And the little old sister kid, how many knows are in here? I know more, lots of you know. So he said, uh, she said, but Brother Willie, don't you think that God could heal Papa now? I said, sure he could. And he said, well, glory to God. He said, if he wants to heal me, he said, I'm, I'm ready to work again. I thought, 80 years old. And I started to kneel down. There come the vision. That was it. Two days later, they took him back over to the hospital. His boys was on the police force there in the city. They couldn't understand. They took him back to the doctor. And the doctor scratched his head. said, man, there isn't a trace of that I can find anywhere. Now tell me your story. Man, he liked to tour of the hospital. <laughs> right back with his tape recorder. Here he come. <laughs> Playing the message. And they live there at the... And, um, right there near the Chautauqua. And there, uh, as soon as I start the seven seals, as we did the seven church ages, she called me the other night. She said, well, honey, if I just had the money... She said, I'd sure like to come down. I said, forget it, Miss Kid. Your, your room's waiting. You and Pop, come on down. She said, bless your little heart. <laughs> and that just makes me feel real good, you know, because they encouraged me at 85 or 86 years old. And it's still going in and me complaining here at 53. So. It makes you feel like taking courage. 
Well, we got so much to talk about. Such a lovely group to talk to. Well, we could just stay here half the night. But you got to go to Sunday school in the morning now. Now, you must be sure to do that. And remember, I've always said it's absolutely a sin to send your children to Sunday school. Don't never do that. That's wrong. Take them. (laughs) Always go with them. See you. And so now that's in the morning. So now if you had to miss work to hear, to be with us and pray with us and so forth, if you have to miss work, that's all right. Just go ahead and miss work. But don't you miss church. <laughs> don't you miss church. I won't leave you late enough to miss church. But if you do have to miss work once in a while, that won't hurt. Now, because <clears throat> work, that's just your daily bread. You, Lord promised to provide that. So, But this, you must really be sure to come to church, you see. I think tomorrow morning... I'm with some other good brother here in the city, but I don't know what his name is now. I think it's called the Apostolic Church. Or Apostolic Church, rather. Apostolic Church. I, I might know the brother. His name's not on the paper, but I, I don't know who the brother is at this time. And tomorrow night, up... Pardon? Brother Mesia. Uh, oh, Mesia. Oh, the Mexican Church. Is that right? Oh, is that the one that taken Brother Garcia's place when he left here? Fine. That's very fine. Say, I got a letter here some time ago from his daughter, up, uh, Brother Garcia, up in, in uh, California. Still holding on. <laughs> so I'm so thankful. And I seen Brother and Sister Garcia when I was at San Jose, I believe, the borders up there. They're just doing fine. I never forget them nights up there at that little Mexican church. I never heard so much of Gloria Adios all my life. <laughs> I never forget that. Gloria Adios. My, thank you, Brother Williams. That's good. 1,500 seats in the morning in this church. Say, everybody come on over if you're not going. No, wait a minute. I better be careful about that. (laughs) I said something wrong. No. All sincerity, you belong at your post of duty. Say, you don't. That's all right. And today I found out that seen a tent. I was down here at 16th and Henshaw, or that's what it was. And I was over here in Arizona about... 35 years ago, an old dirt road went out there where these, uh, and it is 16th and Henshaw. I lived there with some people, Francisco. And um, and uh, now you never know the same place. He even changed the name. I think it's called Buckeye Road now. And uh, all how things change, but God don't. And so um, I was over there and seen a brother's got a tent meeting. Some brother down there's got a tent up. I went around to see if I could see him, but I didn't see him anywhere. Tell him it. We wasn't here in competition to him, but there's just so many people here. I remember Jack Shuler. This would be good for you Methodist folks. And I come in here one time as at the Madison Square Garden. Jack was out here at the at the high school, and uh, and I called him up and I said, "Brother Jack," he said, "Yes, this is Brother Branham." I said, "Yes." I said, "I run right in here on you." And he said, "No." I said, "No, I just stayed over too long, got in your time." And I, I said, "Oh." I'm sorry, Brother Jack. I said, I didn't know. I said, so that's all right, Brother Bram. said, they just want me to stay over. I said, oh, my group won't bother you out there anyhow, Jack. I said, because most of all mine's Pentecostal. He said, of course, mine is too. I said, yeah. Well, I said, sure. He said, uh, I'm Pentecostal. I said, nah, you better not let you. Bob know that's his dad. You know? And he's mad. He's dying in the wool. You know? Well, he said, Brother Bram, don't you know what a... 
what a, a Pentecostal is? I said, I think so. He says, it's Orthodox Methodist. That's just about right. Orthodox Methodist. That's right. If the Methodist church would have continued on with this message, it went right on into Pentecost. The, the real church did. No, no disregards to your denomination, my brother. See, because Pentecost is not an organization. They tried to do it, but they sure have failed. <laughs> it's an experience. <laughs> Pentecost is for Catholics or, or Jews or anybody that gets a Pentecost is an experience, not an organization. And now, if everybody's got your Bible open or close that you'd like to read with me a few words, I like to read the Word, don't you? Because after all, what I would say can fail because I'm a man. But what he says cannot fail. Heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall not fail. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Uh, his word shall never fail. What a glorious thing that is. His word shall never fail. Now, let us read tonight from and. Draw a little context from what I'm going to take for a text, the Lord willing. It's in the book of Amos. The prophecy of Amos. And he lived about 700 and... I think it's about 787 years before the coming of Christ. Let's turn to the third chapter of Amos. The word of the Lord by Amos. And I, I like this man... He's considered one of the minor prophets, but he certainly had the word of the Lord. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquity. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest when he hath no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he's taken nothing? Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing at all? Shall a trumpet blow in the city, and the people be not afraid? Shall there be evil in a city, and the Lord has not done it? Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. The lion roareth, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? May the Lord add his blessings to these words. His little eyes must have gotten narrow. As the hot sun shone down that morning and glistened his white beard and his hair. As he topped the hill north of Samaria and looked over at the city. His clothes was rather common. 
and his feet dusty. He wasn't too much to look at, but he had thus saith the Lord for the people. How different today from our modern evangelism. What a different setup that we have than he. This little fellow, none other than Amos, a true prophet of the Lord, with the word of the Lord, that sinful generation. This fearless little man prophesied in the days of Jeroboam the second. Jeroboam was smart, very smart, wise man, but he was an idolater. And Jeroboam had led his kingdom to its zenith, but he was an idolater. He did it the wrong way. But the kingdom had prospered under Jeroboam. And usually prosperity causes sin. Many people look upon prosperity as blessings. It would be if we could handle it right. But it usually leads to sin. Dishonoring God. The kingdom was flourishing in his day. And the people. It made an alliance with all the nations around him. And how Israel had drifted off into a terrible sin. Gotten away from God. Gotten away from his commandments and his precepts. And it went off altogether on a tantrum. A women walked in the streets in their fine, immodest clothes. The man went about Gambling and drinking, the roadhouse, as we would call it today, the place of amusements, wide open in the city. Sin was disregarded by the ministry. Just laying wide open, a beautiful place, a great center for tourists. And it laid wide open. Sin wasn't rebuked from the pulpit no more. Is on the loose. And when this prophecy come forth, it seemed like that it would not, it would be the last thing that could ever happen according to what this prophet said to them. It would be the last thing that could happen to them from the way he cursed that generation. But yet within 50 years, the kingdom was completely wiped off the earth. God speaks his word. And God's word is like a seed. And when it's sowed on that prophet coming with the word of the Lord and spoke these words, they had to come to pass if they were God's words. When the, the word of the Lord is anointed... And it is the word of the Lord. It's bound to take its place in its season. 
We can see it after thousands of years taking its place today. It must do it because it's the word of the Lord. And it cannot perish. Someone was speaking the other day to me and said, Genesis is wrong. The six days of creation that he said. I said, Genesis 1 to Genesis 2 is absolutely a different thing. The first chapter of Genesis says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, period. How he did it and when he did it, that's up to him. Then the world was without form and void. Then we start off from there for the creation. But in the beginning, how far, we don't know. All those seeds that he had in there when the waters went off, life come back on the earth again. Replenish the earth. And when God's word is sowed, there's nothing can keep it from happening. And this fearless little prophet came from nowhere. The only thing we're told about, that he was a herdsman. We don't know who his father was. We don't know who his mother was. We don't know where any of his descents. Nothing of him. That's usually the way man is sent from God comes on the scene. They come from nowhere and vanish the same way. We didn't have no record of him. What happened? This great man, Jeroboam, which was a, a great um, mental power, and he had the nation in prosperity, yet in sin. I wonder if we couldn't just kind of type that a little bit tonight with our own country, uh, our own nation, uh, in sin the way it is, yet prosperity. We're going to get a cut in tax right away, I hear. Uh, of course, anybody can read between the lines there. Election coming up. But so forth, all these things that's going on. Israel, preachers, priests, and government had left the word of God behind and had compromised. And that's why the country was in the condition that it was. Though they had just as many priests and just as many preachers as they ever had, but they had left off the word of God, got away from it. It's always at that time that God sends somebody from nowhere to blast it back into its path again. Some fearless person will rise up with the word of the Lord and shake the people back to the word again. I was just noticing here, I had written down something here that I maybe like to refer to again. That's on the second chapter of the fourth verse. I'd like to read it. Listen to this little fellow speak this out. Thus saith the Lord, for these three transgressions of Judah and four, I will not turn away the punishment. Therefore, because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments, and their lies caused them to error, after the which their fathers have walked. See where his message was? Placing it right 
back if they'd got away from the Word of God. Now, any Bible reader, that makes you know that he was a true prophet. He put them right back on the Word. Where they'd fallen from. Oh, perhaps their churches had prospered. They probably had fine buildings. Their city was probably more glamorous than Phoenix. Is a, a Samaria, as we all know, was a great tourist center. It is even yet. Beautiful place. But yet they got away from God. And God sent this messenger to them. What a message of rebuke from God. This little prophet brought him out. Now Amos came forth from the wilderness to the city of glamour. No wonder his little God-given eyes narrowed down as he topped the hill. Not like a tourist would. Ladies to say, look at all the shopping the women's are doing. Look at the new styles they've got down here. Or not as some of the men would think the casinos and so forth were so great in the city. Or because that they might sit on the street corners and watch the passing of the other sect. Lust. But this prophet, his eyes narrowed because of the sin that he saw in the city. Wasn't narrowed because of the things that he was admiring, but to see how far they had got away from God. The people that were called and chosen. Do you notice here he said, I know no other people but you. I led you out of Egypt. And then you go away from me like that. And when this prophet coming from a herdsman back up in the north country with the word of the Lord, how is looked upon that city. He must have brushed back the perspiration. His clothes was rugged and probably not enough money to buy him a, a room for that night. It didn't make any difference to him. He had a message that was burning in his heart. And he must bring it forth. Not only that, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit that has struck him out in the wilderness there had shut his eyes from the glamour of the world. And any anointed servant of Christ, their eyes are blinded from the things of the world. They don't see those things. They don't look for them. They have one thing. Christ is before them. That's all they see. They don't fear anything. Christ is before them. A message must be gotten to the people. And they stop at nothing. You can't burn it out of them. You can put them in jail, prison, whatever you want to. They come right out of it again. That's anointed of the Lord. Yes. He looked upon the spiritual decay of the city, the immoral. And the spiritual decay of the city. Wonder how many servants of the Lord crossing down over the mountain up here would look upon Phoenix. You come here for the glamour and sunshine and rest, which we can speak not light of that. You're not long ago, last time I was here sitting up on South Mountain, my wife sitting back there, I was talking to her, I said, about three or four hundred years ago, the valley was a beautiful place, no doubt. When the Salt River run through here and the, the coyotes and so forth and the blooming of the cactus, 
Look how it's, the whole thing has become a conglomeration of sin. And she said, well, then what brings you here? I said, here's what brings me here. Even though in its darkness and in the sin, it's in the city. There are some testimonies of the Lord, living statues of Christ. And I come to put my shoulder with them to shine the light of the gospel. Some of those little old brethren down there on a street corner somewhere worked it out and sweated it out and cried and prayed it out with a message on their heart. I come to throw my part with them. To shine a light of the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ to the great metropolitan area of this city of Phoenix. And it, although it could be a wonderful place, if man would just take his achievements that he's been able to do to build a beautiful homes like up on Camel's Back Mountain, Cavalier Mountain, as a pass through there, what, 35 years ago, that was a desert. We run burrows through there on horseback. And over on South Mountain here, chasing burrows and horses. And now it's become a great metropolitan area of this great fabulous city. It's growing into the tens of thousands times thousands. It's stretched out until now the own decay of the cities bring it to a chaos. Smog's coming in. Your humidity is as bad as it is in Jeffersonville, Indiana, the Ohio Valleys. Irrigation. Man always pollutes the world. When the Indians had it, it was a beautiful place. But when white man come in, he brought his sins and liquor and immorality and he's polluted the lands that has become nothing but a, almost a cesspool. What a thing to look upon. God will wipe it from the face of the earth one of these days. And he's choosing a people of Ryan righteousness that shall reign upon the earth as he reigns as king. And he's now taking his people for his name, the people for his kingdom. Now, would this smart, intelligent, intellectual group of Israel, its great, powerful, intellectual president or king, Jeroboam, who was a smart man. And would they hear this little unknown prophet? Would this great message that's burning in his heart, would he be able to walk through the streets and the people would, women would dress themselves nicely again and the mans would leave the taverns and the places of sin and turn to God at the preaching of this little unknown fellow. That was a question might have come into his mind or does mine when I see him standing there and his little bald head shining in the sun, his gray beard hanging around his coat, looking down through there and looking upon that sin in his air, eyes narrow and his heart beating. Yet in there he saw the kingdom of God that should be established there all weighted in sin and with a rebuke from God that would rebuke from the king to the beggar in the street. Every priest, preacher, king, potentate, monarch, whatever he was, 
He had the curse of God to put on him because they had, you'd think they would receive him. Or would they understand him? Remember, he had no recommendation. He come different from our evangelists of the day. He had no recommendation from the priest. They didn't even know who the fellow was. But there's one who knows who he was. That's the one that sent him. That's all counted to him. As long as he knowed where he was sent from. His message had to go forth just the same. And regardless. He had no denominational credentials to back him up when he went into the city. To come to the ministerial association and say, my brethren, I'm sent of this certain group, this religious group. I belong to the certain, certain. He had not that. He didn't have any of those things. Neither did he have a fellowship card to show that he even stood in good fellowship with the ministerial associations from the country he came from. He had no cooperation for his campaign. He never even consulted anybody about it. That little fellow was standing in a difficult place. It'd be enough for a man to turn and go back and take up his herd again. Down tickle where he left if he would just a thought. But you see, the man didn't take no second thought. He didn't think about any credentials. Neither did he think about a fellowship card. He only thought about one thing, and that was the word of the Lord. God had given it to him with a charge that he must go over there and prophesy. That's all made any difference to him. He had the word of the Lord, and therefore he felt he didn't need credentials or any recommendation or any cooperation. The only thing he needed was he had cooperation with God, and that's all it took. As long as he was in the will of the Lord, what difference did it make? As long as he knew that his message was from God, God would vindicate that message. He had to. And when he brought the message, it looks like that there would be a, all the priests and preachers and the prophets of that age would have come in and repented because they would have seen the condition of the place, the seen the moral corruption. But when he began to prophesy with the word of the Lord, it was foreign to him. They know nothing about it. It's quite a picture of that today. Foreign, the message of the Lord. The church knows nothing about it. When they hear people raise up and give a message in unknown tongues and give the interpretation to it and say a certain thing is fixed to happen, the people turn their head and walk away. think the people are crazy. They see somebody rise up in the Spirit and prophesy or give a message from the Lord while the people of the church world today thinks that a person's lost their mind. It's foreign from them because they are about the same condition today as Samaria was in that day. But remember... When the nations get her, God's church always got in that condition. God was able to 
raise up a prophet with the word of the Lord to them. Certainly they had forgot it long ago, but they ought to remember, regardless of whether they could look up through their books and see if they had a fellow out of some of their schools by the name of Dr. Amos or not, they ought to know that God of Abraham was able of these stones to rise up children or prophets to bring his word. That same God is just as able tonight as he was then. And it would certainly was misunderstanding to the people. He can rise up man, anoint man to bring his word. He can put the word in a man. Send him forth and prove that he's God. Well, that person that will humble himself and submit himself to God and not be afraid to take God at his word. He's able to do it. And he will do it. He promised he would. And his words, of course, was vindicated to him in that day because while that same generation was still in existence, all that Amos prophesied came to pass. I wonder today now that if Amos would come to us, would we receive him today? Would Phoenix receive Amos? If somewhere across the mountain here somewhere or down from some part of the country came a little rugged dressed fella like that, could walk in here and call the ministers to order and say, I have the word of the Lord. Do you think we would receive him? Certainly not. The first thing we'd ask him, what group are you with? <laughs> and what if he'd turn around and say the heavenly group? <laughs> that would kind of be foreign to us, I'm afraid. But that's the way it was then. And it'd perhaps be the same way today if Amos come on the scene. Let's just, for the sake of what I've said, transport him here just a few moments and see what we think he would do. You know what he'd do? I believe he would disagree with our whole setup. Yes, sir. He would disagree with our denominational doctrines. He would condemn Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic, and Pentecostals. He'd take the whole thing in. Certainly would. He would disagree with their denominational doctrines. He would go straight to the fundamental foundation of the Word and start right on the Word. He would begin his campaign upon thus saith the Lord. Why, why you think Phoenix would receive it? You think Louisville would receive him? New York, Boston, Massachusetts, or wherever it might be, California? No, sir. They'd have the little fellow in jail as quick as they could get him there. <laughs> certainly would. They would certainly do that. If he went back to the Word, I'm sure they would. Because <laughs> every group would disagree with him. It wouldn't be a one agree with him. Because they have to hold to their traditions and order to disagree with the word. <laughs> We'd have to remember that he is a true prophet. If he, had been, if he was a prophet sent from God, 
He would be one mark to him. One definite mark that we know he is a prophet. He would stay with the word. Because that's where the word of God came us to the prophets. You know what he would do? He would blast and condemn this generation. He would condemn every Bob Dared woman in the country. He would condemn every denominational preacher. He certainly would. He would condemn every cigarette smoker. Every woman that wore shorts or slacks. He'd tear them apart. Why? It's against the word. Exactly right. You think we would receive him? By no means. They wouldn't receive him. He'd condemn the immorals of the church. He'd shake that little old wrinkled finger in that preacher's face and say, You mean to tell me that you call yourself anointed servant of God and will stand in the pulpit and let your women dress sexy among your men and things like that. Let your young women rise up like that. You'll permit your man to marry two or three times and be deacons in the churches. You mean to tell me that you'll hold on to that credential that you got in your hand and turn aside the Word of God? Oh, my. It blasts the thing. Yes, sir. The immorality of the church and the immorality of the members. It blasted my. Every member, he'd tear down. Every man-made seminary doctrine, he'd tear the thing to pieces. Now, could you receive a man like that? No, they wouldn't do it. They certainly wouldn't do it. They'd get that fellow out of town as quick as they could. While the association be meeting together and say, Say, we got to do something about this. Tell your congregation not to go there. Can you hear that? No. Oh, we would not receive him. By no means we wouldn't receive him. Certainly they couldn't do it. Listen to him blast. Oh, I like it here. I'm looking right down on what he said. <laughs> he said the very God that you claim to serve will destroy you. He'd say that same thing today. We Americans has wrapped ourselves in so much of fantastic things. So much big buildings and big uh, numbers in our organizations. And all this fine popularity and seminary ministers who's trained up to hold their peace and say nothing about it because they're afraid they'd be excommunicated from the church. Certainly he'd blast that thing to pieces because it's against the word. Certainly would. And the very God that we claim to serve will, will burn this thing off one of these days. He'll blast it to pieces. Amos wouldn't change his words if he's here today. Let's get right back to the word. Oh, what? listen at him tell him there. God loved you. He brought you. He made you a chosen people. I'd like to hear him in a Pentecostal church one time. <laughs> you believe his Amos maybe get off my back then for a while. <laughs> yes, he would tell him. He'd pull no punches. <laughs> He'd blast it just as hard as he could. And tell them where they'd fallen short of the word. The God that brought you out of these homemade, man-made margs years ago, 50 years ago. Your fathers and mothers came out of these systems that had 
bound up and got the world into them. And it, your, God sent his mercy down and called you out away from the sin and stuff that's, that was in the church. And now you've turned right back around like Samaria did. That God brought them out from them countries and they turned right back around and made an alliance with that country. Now we are today and trying to compete with those big denominational churches. We're building bigger schools. What? We don't need big schools. It's all right. I ain't got nothing to say against it. But every time that you take a founder or leader that goes forth in his day... Well, he'll do good in his day, but as soon as he's gone, then they'll build an organization over the top of his work. Then they'll get a bunch of little Rickies in there and Elvises, and the first thing you know, they twist the thing to make it suit themselves. And then this other comes up and he injects something else because he's a great intellectual student out of Harvard somewhere or something. And the first thing they begin to eject this and take this out and say, this didn't mean that and that. You're right back in the same old rut again. Yes. If Amos is your head, blast the thing right straight to the ground. Never build his campaign upon how many churches he could get to cooperate with him. He never build his church upon some certain organization or some sectarian parts of the church. The thing he'd do is build his campaign upon, thus saith the Lord. God would back him up as he always did. Prove that is right. He said there's trouble, there's turmoils in your church. What would he say today? What would he say with that word of God hanging out here before us? Second Timothy 3, where it said they'd be heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, and despisers of those that are trying to live right. Having a form of godliness, but would deny the power thereof. You think a prophet could rise on the scene and bypass that prophecy? You say it's fulfilled in your eyes this day. How that the church would get formal and how the things they would do. He'd, he'd bring to your memory those words of God. He'd bring to your memory what God said he'd do in this day. And Amos rolls on the scene. Not only that, but God would prove by Amos what he promised to do in this day. Certainly he would. He did it in that day. He's always done it. Certainly we would not receive Amos if he rose on the scene. Now, how that form of godliness stand up there in, in the choirs and, and around over great long robed choirs and and sang like angels and danced the next night like devils. <laughs> That's right. It's exactly the truth. Some come out with great long robes on, flowerly looking like that, and look like some kind of an angelic being, and stand up there and deny the word like any evil spirit would. Having a form of godliness, but would deny the power thereof. Go talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Said, Why, he's he running out of the church. <laughs> Why? He has to. But they'll stand in these churches and let their members in the basement do the twist and rock and roll. And our so-called YMCAs. I wonder what that C stands for. Walk into them. You can't even hardly hear nothing but the Lord's name. You Is that the young man's cursing society? 
I stayed not long ago in a hotel that was across from the YWCA, and it was a disgrace to see them little girls out there on the floor till about nine o'clock trying to break their legs or doing the twist. It's right, and all the members of a church sang in choirs and taught Sunday school. Nothing but the devil tasting them little children out there on the floor. A system has been made up called religion. Certainly a true prophet would blast that thing right back into the smoke of hell where it originated at. Certainly is true. You think Amos could stand on the platform and preach the gospel and look out over a bunch of bobbed-haired women and not condemn it? You think he wouldn't quote Isaiah 5 and 1 Corinthians 14 and all, wouldn't, he, wouldn't he pour that on? Certainly you would. Walk down the streets and see women with these little clothes on look like man so tight that the skin's on the outside almost going down twisting, mincing, walking like that thinking themselves along and you think a man of God wouldn't stand in a pulpit and blast that thing? When it's very seldom ever spoke from from the pulpit. And that's in Pentecostal churches too. It's exactly right. Wouldn't make no difference to Amos. Some, he'd be one that would say it. He wouldn't be afraid because he was anointed of the Lord. And if he had thus saith the Lord, it would have to be the word of the Lord. He'd come to Samaria and knock to look at their glamour to count how many organizations and how many numbers they had. As I said the other night, it seems to be today that the whole church is built up on the main thing amongst the brethren today of the churches is numbers, numbers. One trying to outdo the other one. Numbers. God don't count numbers. He counts character. Character is what God looking to find somebody he could get his hands Oh, somebody will stand still long enough. We said decisions all year. We had so many decisions. That's stones, confessions. And what good is a stone without a stonemason with a sharp word of God to cut him into a son of God or a daughter of God and place him in the church where he belongs? Rolling up stones won't make the building. You got to cut them and shape them. We need man today, anointed man like Amos was, that would cut the world away from that woman and make her a daughter of God. Cut that world away from the man. Regardless of how many trustees throw him out or anything else, he stand on, thus saith the Lord. Yes, we wouldn't receive Amos, I don't think, like this. What do you think Amos to do when he walked into a Pentecostal church today? claims to be led by the Holy Spirit and then see that same thing in the Pentecostal church that claims to be led by the Holy Spirit. I wonder. Now, we can talk about the Baptists and Methodists and the Lutheran, but when it comes to our own dirty door, then what about that? <laughs> Gotten away from the Word of God. Something went wrong somewhere. Exactly right. Yeah, they come and do all these different things and claim to be led of the Spirit, dance in the Spirit, sometimes even speak with tongues. I believe in speaking with tongues. I believe in dancing in the Spirit. I believe in shouting. 
But there's a lot more goes with that. That's right. If you do all those things and deny the word, then there's something wrong somewhere. Got the wrong spirit. God doesn't lead his people to such things anyhow. No, he doesn't. I think it's a time, it's just about another coming out party. Another Boston Tea Party, as to say. The church needs one. It needs a real good cleaning up. When Joan of Arc, the days gone by, the Catholic Church missed knowing that she was a saint. When she was living, because she saw visions, could interpret dreams, a spirit-filled woman. And uh, God used the little lady. And they thought she was a witch, and they burned her to a stake as a witch. You know that. The Catholic priests did that themselves. Hundreds of years passed, and they found out she was a saint. Then when they go to canonize her, they had to do penance. So they dug up those priests' body and filled them in the river to do penance. You see, it passed right by, and they failed to see it. They'd done it pretty much the same thing with St. Patrick and all the rest of them. No wonder Jesus said, you garnish and make white the tombs of the prophets, and you're the one that put them in there. That's right. What we need today is an Amos. <laughs> It'll bring back the word of the Lord to us. Certainly does. Now, our claims and things doesn't mean nothing unless the Spirit of God is there to back up our claims. If our lives don't compare with our claims, then there's something wrong. Joan of Arc led France to a revolutionary. They needed a revolutionary. That's exactly what they did. They needed a revolutionary. She led it. But after the revolutionary, where the mistake was made, they needed a counter-revolutionary to, stra to straighten up what they were revolting about. I say the Pentecostal church is the closest thing I know to the Bible today. If it wasn't, I'd be in some other. That's right. I wouldn't be standing here wasting my time speaking to the Pentecostal people if I didn't think there was a hopes. Right. Pentecost is right. But when we need Pentecost to get together and our traditions broke down, then we need a counter-revolution. We need a counter-coming. I got not a Pentecostal claim, but a Pentecostal clean coming. God's holy. They that live by Him must live holy. He is a holy God. The Bible said, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. That's true. His life is holy. And if His life is in you, it makes you holy. Without it, you don't see the Lord. And look where she's drifting to. We are something like Israel was in those days old. Israel thought because that they were prospering, everything was going good. They had an alliance in their days with the other cities. And they had an alliance. The government had an alliance with the ministers, with the priests, with the prophets. They thought this was all right. They thought that was just pleasing to the Lord. But they had a little fellow that raised up and brought him back again. Right? Just because it prospered. That's where we make a mistake. Prosperity is no sign of spiritual blessing. That's right. Not a bit, is it? Prosperity sometimes is a hindrance. You remember what the Lord said about Israel? When you were little... When you had nothing, when you laid in your own blood in the field, no one to clean you, I tuck you in. Then you serve me. But when you got old enough that you thought you was all right and self-secured, then you left me. They've always did that. 
Hezekiah, as I spoke of at the businessman's breakfast the other morning. He was a great man. He held on to the Lord. But one day, after God strengthened him, and he was a great example to Isaiah the prophet. But after he got strong and built up, and the nations began to fear him. He built his walls and began to get glamorous things. He got self-conceited. He got to looking how great he was. And then he tried to take the place of the preacher. God smote him with leprosy and he died a leper. We don't never want to get lifted up in our hearts. And sometimes when we see our organizations prosper, we begin to say, we're the big group. We're the biggest Pentecostal group there is. We have more than the rest of them. Or you can't get to heaven unless you belong to our group or something. When you get that way, you've separated yourself from the word of the law. Right? Remember the blankets wide enough to stretch for your brother. It's exactly right. Take him in. Oh, how we need today a call back to the word of the Lord. Look, today in our nation needs a call back. I'm going to speak one of these nights if I can. I want, I've got an indictment. I want to wait to get all the preachers together. <laughs> I want to indict this generation of the blood of Jesus Christ and prove it to you. <laughs> now, I may have get out somewhere to do that, but we'll, we'll see if we can have a breakfast some morning just for ministers. And I, I want to, Lord helping me to show exactly where we're, where we're heading the wrong way. We got to come back. There's no other way but come back. Right. Look at our nation today. Look what we're trying to do. The very thing that took place in a dark age. Unite church and state together. Look at the U- Unite uh, Union or the, the World Council of Churches. All the churches going into this World Council of Churches. And they think this is the oneness of God. Because all the churches, United Brethren, man, the fundamental churches, go into this great one big organization. That's because of lack and knowing the word of God. The prophet spoke that that thing would take place and make an image unto the beast. And it had power to speak. Oh, do you think Amos could stand in a pulpit tonight down here if he is in Phoenix and fail to crowd on that thing? It wouldn't be that he'd be against us, the brethren, but he'd be against the system that's drawing us away from the word. That would be what he would do. How can those men walk together? The Bible said here in your Amos, the Lord said, tell the people, how can two walk together without they be agreed? Uh, how are we going to take our Pentecostal groups and go into the World Council of Churches when half of them in there are more than half, 85 or 95 percent even deny the virgin birth? They deny, I guess, 99 percent of them divine, the, they deny divine, divine healing. They deny the principles of the Bible. They deny the speaking with tongues. Only the Pentecostal group alone takes that. And how are we going to unite ourselves with them in a oneness? How are we going to be one with them? How are we going to walk with them without being agreed with them? How are you going to do it? You'll have to deny the great evangelical belief that you have, the fundamental principles of the Bible to walk with them. I tell you, God calls an individual. He's calling you as an individual to stay with His Word and stay with Him. 
How could God walk with them when their own creeds made up by their own worldly wisdom denies word? When a creed accepts a doctrine of a group of men together and denies the word being sold, then you turn God from you. God is holy. And God, the Bible says, He watches over His Word to vindicate it. And how can He vindicate the Word when the Word isn't there? That's the reason we have members instead of children. That's we have creed. And everybody can, the world is looking for a superman. They're working for, they're looking for something that can let them hold on their Christian profession and live any way they want to. That women want to act like Hollywood and still maintain that they got the Holy Ghost. The preachers want to build the biggest church and do all these things and have deacons that's married many times and, and they can do these little things and wear these clothes. They call it the liberation of women. You think Amos would stand still for that? No, indeed he wouldn't. You think Amos would stand still and meet with the hierarchies and the bishops up there and say, Brethren, I think you've done a great thing. You'd say, you bunch of renegades. <laughs> you imposters. You deniers of the faith. You'd say the same thing that Micah said that day before those 400 self-styled Hebrew prophets. They said in a number, a multitude is in their safety. Depends on where you want to apply that scripture. I can say Judas went and hung himself and you go do the same thing. It doesn't apply there. And it doesn't apply that in the multitude of counsel their safety. The Catholic Church has it on all of you then. In the word of God, their safety. The Bible said the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And that's the only safe spot I know. The prophets always believed that. When Abraham died, when Job died, he placed himself in the promised land, his grave. When Abraham died, he bought a parcel of land right in the same place but Job. What did he do? He watched that prophet. He knew that was a man of God. And he said, I know my Redeemer liveth and the last days he'll stand on the earth. Though after skin worms has destroyed this body, yet my flesh I'll see God. Yeah. And Abraham knew that. He buried Sarah there. He bought a parcel of land and buried. He himself was buried there. Isaac, when he died, he was taken back and buried there. Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob died way down uh, in Egypt. But before he died, he called his prophet's son, Joseph. And he knew he was a prophet, spiritual man, interpret dreams and saw visions is perfectly right each time. He said, come here, Joseph, my prophet's son. Lay your hand upon this hip that the Almighty God touched me years ago. And change my name from supplanter to a prince with God. Lay your hands up here and swear by that God that you'll not bury me down here in Egypt. <laughs> Why? Why? What difference did it make? That's what they say today. What difference does it make? We get a bunch of people, get them to join church and off the streets. You sometimes make him a twofold more child of hell than he was out on the street. Right. 
does make a difference. Joseph, when he died, he made mention, said, someday the Lord God will visit you. He's a prophet. He said, the Lord God will visit you. And don't you leave my bones down here, but take them up in the promised land. <laughs> Why? He knew that the first fruit of the resurrection would come out of the promised land. That's exactly. Jesus, when he died and rose up on Easter morning, the Bible said that many of the saints that slept in the dust rose and come out of the graves and appeared to many. Who was it? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Why? They were in the right place. That's the reason I said it does make a difference. You just don't bury me out here some Methodist, Baptist, or some other church. Bury me in Jesus. For them that are in Christ, what God brings in when he comes. And it does make a difference. Certainly it does. Don't let somebody tell you because you join church. Amos will never stand still for that. He said the very God that you're saying that you serve. Not say this in the name of the Lord. The very God that this nation is supposed to represent will destroy this nation. He'll destroy these churches. The God of heaven will send down his wrath and judgment and destroy these churches. So-called churches. Remember, you take my word. There's nobody can join the church. You join a lodge. You don't join a church. You're born in a church. You join the Methodist Lodge, Baptist Lodge, Catholic Lodge, Pentecostal Lodge, but you're born into the church of the living God, and that's what he's coming after, that church. So we have lodges, not churches. Anything can gather in that lodge. Hypocrites and everything else, but I'll let you know this right now, according to the word, there's not one hypocrite in the church of the living God. There's nothing there but saints. Now the membership can take you in, and you think... You think Amos wouldn't blast that? He'd shake that thing to its foundation. He certainly would. Look, when Israel was on its road, up into the promised land, led by the Holy Ghost, a pillar of fire was before them. A smitten rock followed them. And there come Moab out, which was a brother. Remember, he was part of Israel too. He was part of from that Jewish descent because it was... Lot's child by his daughter had brought out Moab. And look at Balaam, their priest, come out there and made an altar, offered the same kind of sacrifice, just as fundamental as he could be. See? And he had celebrity with him. He had the king. He had all the great men, the princes and the eunuchs standing with him. But there was one standing with Moses. That he didn't see. That's who stood with Amos. That's who will stand with every person in Sherman Eye. That will stand for God in righteousness. No matter how much potentates monarchs is there, doesn't have one thing to do with it. They'll never be able to curse what God has blessed. Why? It's a living seed. It's a word of God. It'll grow to its perfection. No. Signs of the living God in the camp. That looks like Israel had done wrong down there. But they failed to see that smitten rock and that atonement being made for Israel. And there was a shout of the king in the camp. God was with them. Why? He was healing the sick and doing great miracles and signs and wonders. And a pillar of fire hung over him. 
Moses was following a pillar of fire. The children of Israel was following Moses. And they were on the road to the promised land and there was nothing going to stop them. Amen. Oh, could it not be easy repeated today if God could get somebody in His hand, in His control? That pillar of fire is still alive. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Word still lives. God sent us an Amos. Stand for truth and right. Shake these things. You see, could we, what kind of results do you think he would have? Well, he would have the results that he would call all those that God had foreordained to be called. That's who we get. All the fathers given me will come. Yes, Micah was before Ahab and Ahab hated him. All the ministerial group was against him. And they all was inspired too. But their inspiration didn't cope with the word. I suppose maybe Amos hit that same thing. When the priest walked out in the streets and said, Now, wait a minute. What, what, show me your credentials. What school did you come from? What lineage did you come out of? Are you a, who made you a priest? He'd say, God made me one. What school are you from? Jehovah God. I have thus saith the Lord. They listened to him? Certainly not. <laughs> they didn't want to hear that guy. Certainly not. They didn't want, and yet that man might have said, I'm inspired. Well, I belong to the great church of the Pharisees here. Look how God has blessed us. We put golden altars in. We put temples on. We've done all these things. And well, our missionary offering is greater than any of the rest of the churches throughout all Judea. Well, we do all these things here. Our people are great tithe payers and all that. But yet, Micah or Amos stood there and said, The God that you claim that your servant's going to destroy you. And it happened that way. Now, I'm not condemning missionary programs. I'm not condemning big churches. But the trouble is, people get their eyes upon that. And upon off the Word. And finally, it leads you right off into that thing and you find yourself slipping, come right back to the Word. Don't get away from it. Oh, how we need a cry of the wilderness today. Certainly is true. Now, certainly, other reasons. People reason. They want to reason. That's the first thing that got... That's what lost the fellowship of the human race is when Satan introduced a program of reasoning against the Word being so. And it sounds very logical. Let's just take Satan, what he might have said to Eve when God barricaded them in by his word. That's the only thing that God ever did give his people to fortify them from the enemy was the word. He never gave us a creed. He never gave us nothing but his word. That's all. And God is infinite, omnipotent, unchangeable. He cannot change. His first program is perfect. He never has to alter it. His first decision when man sinned and crossed that great chasm between him and God, leaving himself no way back, God, full of mercy and grace, accepted a substitute. Only a God that's full of mercy and grace could do a thing like that. He accepted a substitute, and that substitute was blood. That's the only place that man could ever come in fellowship with God again is under the shed blood. And it's never been any time that man could fellowship to God only by the blood. And it's so true. Where he fellowships with God. Now, Eve let down the bars. 
Eve began to reason. Satan said like this. Now you're, you don't know. You haven't had any schooling yet. <clears throat> I'm the professor of the seminary out here. <clears throat> His own. And uh, I'll tell you, we've learned some things out there. <clears throat> we learned that God is so good. We learned in our seminary that God is so good. He don't expect you to do all he wrote there. He doesn't expect that. Yeah, but she said the Lord God said. Now, she'd have made a good preacher if she stayed on that. <laughs> That's the reason she's condemned to be one today. <laughs> Keep her away from it. What would Amos say about that? <laughs> I wish I could hear him for about five minutes and record his message. I'd put it on tape and let the whole world hear it. <laughs> I could keep quiet about it from then on. Notice, yes, sir, he would condemn it. And notice what she said. Now, Satan said, now, he couldn't do that with Eve. You know, he couldn't do that with Adam, but he did with Eve. So he said to Eve now, now, you know this. He said, you know, surely God's too good to hurt you. God, you surely won't. I, you know, he's a good God. We hear so much of that today. He is a good God. But in order to be good, he has to be just also. That's what makes him good. He's not wishy-washy. He's God. And now, God's too good to do that to you. And he began, said, well, you'll be wise. You'll have an education. You'll be smart and wise. You'll, you'll know things that you don't know now. See, she only had to know one thing. That was the Word. We don't have to have a Bachelor of Art and a Ph.D. and an L.L.D. and all these other things. Just know God's Word. The simplest child that can read and all. But reason. What did they get? What did they get? Right there they broke down. And Satan knowed he defeated the human race right there. And that's where he's defeated them ever since. That's the reason Amos come. Because popularity and popular opinions and find great... A uh, president or king and uh, brought prosperity. Uh, people are sell their life for a mess of beans like Esau. I'm not trying to hurt, but I'm trying to make truth. You Democrats sold your birthrights not long ago. That's right. And I'm not a Republican. I'm a Christian. But brother... What a disgrace. And they had to take a crooked machine to vote it in like that. But that's what the America wanted. They got it. He usually gives you what you want. God, give me your word. That's what I want. Let me hide thy word in my heart, Lord. I sin not against thee. Oh, others reason. But see, Amos couldn't reason because he was a prophet. The word come to him. Oh, same as the word today. You must. Interpret it. Let the Holy Spirit interpret it by vindicating it in your life. That's what was said. What you know, Jeremiah said to the to the prophet Hannah. He said, "When that prophet speaks and what he says is manifested, then the prophets know he was right." If Amos was here, what do you think he would do? He would he would stay with the word. That's what he would do. You know what? He'd tell us that we've been taught. Off of the foundation of the original word of God. He would tell us that we're far away from the first Pentecostal church. That's what he'd tell us Pentecostals. Say, now, I've had almost 50 years to get yourself in gear and you've never come there yet. Oh, 
What would he say to denominational personality? What, oh, if he wouldn't give that, if he wouldn't tear up the churches for their immorals, for accepting creeds, joining a church instead of being born into it. Well, if you're born into it, brother, sister, you act different. You, you stay with the word. The Holy Spirit's in you. It only feeds on the word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Not part of the word, but every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. He being a prophet, he would see this thing in us. Amos was a prophet. Now, I'm going to close the minute, but I want to make these remarks stick, if I can. I'll say it, and the Holy Spirit has to make it stick. I want to ask you something. If Amos come here tonight and stood on this platform, if he walked up and down the streets of Phoenix, he would see in us today, in our national affair, in our church world, He'd see the very thing that he saw in Samaria. Given wholly over to immorals. Away from the word of God. He'd see a very religious group. They were. Every one of them Israelites. But he would see a, an immoral morality. He'd see, he'd see social and immoral decay among the people. He'd see immoral decay among on the nation. He'd see immoral decay from the word. He'd see adultery in the church. I'm not meaning both physical and he'd see spiritual adultery. How they would be taking the creeds of man out here as man's creeds and us accepting them instead of the word. That's committing spiritual adultery against God. Revelation 17 says so. That they, this whore uh, committed a sin because with her abomination she made the earth drink the wine of her wrath. Yes, we see it would be altogether different. He'd see it. The immoral decay. Amos never blamed the government, oh. Listen. Amos never blamed the government in all of his scripture. But he blamed the people for electing such a government. Oh, I could, are you tired? Uh, just uh, hold on just a minute. See. Don't blame your government. The government cannot build a house on a rock that the people votes for sand. The people want it. Many times I say things in the pulpit. When I know my brethren is sitting out there, ministers. Good man. I talk to him, get him in a corner. And it's my duty, knowing these things, to tell my brethren. And I talk to him and say, Brother Brandon, we know you're right. But my church will walk out. Yeah. See, it's what you want. Yeah. You can. It's the people. Now, if you think I could start up a building down here on the street and sell the ladies today those old-fashioned high-top lace shoes... They probably got more leather in them and, and a whole store full has today. One pair. But if I sold them for 50 cents a pair, I'd starve to death. Why? You don't want them. If I sold those old-fashioned Mother Hubbard skirts to the women today, you think they'd buy them? Certainly not. They want something that they can pour themselves into Looks like the skin on a wiener. They, they just want to be so tight walking down the street. About four or five different degrees. 
pushed in, pushed out, and rear back on a pair of heels, her head stuck out. That's, I don't mean that for joke. This is no place to joke, but that's the truth. I have not a good education. That's the only way I can make my word know you know what I'm talking about. See? Now, it's true. They wouldn't buy them dresses. The other night on the platform, a little Indian woman come up there. I wanted to shake her little hand up at Brother Groomer's church. Or she had a dress on like my mother wore. I thought, well, bless your heart, lady. And the Lord healed her right there before she even got to me. She, see? I thought, I, I, I just better keep still, see. Just wait till the occasion comes sometime. And there it was. Well, you couldn't sell those dresses. You might sell them to an Indian. And not too many of them. They're getting just about as loose as the rest of them. You got too much television programs. And your children are getting out some of these modern white school teachers coming in. And all this other nonsense. You'd be better off if he's back out under like setting bull in them was a long time ago. In Africa, when we had the colored race there, what do they do? Go to the missionaries. It's reading, writing, and arithmetic. When he, well, they, they know more about morals and their tribes than you could, Christianity could ever bring to them. That's right. If any of those women out there if she, in the Zula tribe, if she waits to a certain age to get married and hasn't, someone hasn't taken her for a wife, she has to get out of there. She's no more a tribesman. No, sir. And when she's married, she's tested for her virginity. And if she be found guilty, she has to tell the man that's done them and they're both killed together. There'd be a lot of killing around here if we had that kind of a setup, don't you think? That's right. They couldn't have enough undertakers to bury the man and women. Certainly. But you're dead anyhow and don't know it, so that's the trouble of it, see. But now, so much. That's right. Then what do you do? They take them over there and teach them school. Then you find them on the street. They got their own tribal sins. What they had, they come in and take the white man's sins. And then they're ten times more child of hell than it was to start with. The only thing they need is Christ to stay where they are. Right. That's with our American Indian. Anybody I feel sorry for in this nation is that Indian. Sure had a bad deal out of it. I'm not. I'm just one person. But I'm far. Yes, sir. If the Lord ever calls me from the fields of dealing like this and my message is over, he lets me live any longer, I'm going to the Indians. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My, we see what Amos would do when he crawled out. Our whole system would be condemned. Certainly not. The government cannot build, my remark was, upon a rock that the nation votes for sand. How are you going to build your church upon the rock? How will a preacher ever stand in the pulpit and preach the rock and build it up on the fundamentals of the full gospel when his audience, some of his people out there would put him out? Now, I blame the preacher for not having the audacity and the spirit of God for just shutting the door and saying, getting somebody else to stand for that stuff and not me. Uh, I admire a preacher that would do that. But woe unto that congregation when an anointed man of God tries to bring them the word and then they won't line up with it. That's right. How does he go to have a, a church that all the nine gifts operating in it and so forth and then they 
And that, and that church won't even, even live decently and morally. Won't learn their ABCs of the gospel. Then say, if I had a better preacher, what's your fault? Right. It's our nation's fault. Our Americans, if we come over here for freedom of religion, from what? And we go right on back and put into our capital the very thing that we're, was come over here to be free from. This nation's a whole lot like Israel. They, Israel come into Palestine, drove out the occupants and took the land. The first, they had some good, good man over them. They had David and Solomon, a great man. Finally, after a while, they kept voting in and pushing in and electing in till they got an Ahab down there that married a heathen. Now, Ahab was a pretty good fellow. He wanted to do right, but he couldn't do right for that woman of his. Now, I ain't got nothing against the man that I was speaking about a few minutes ago. He might be a good man. But it's that system of that harlot behind him that twists his neck. That's the thing he's going to do it. Come in like this as easy as he can like that and flash the whole thing down. Did you know we are, we are now, our national debt is so great until we're paying on borrowed money off of taxes that we'll get 14 years from today. What's going to happen when this system breaks? Castro, sure I'm against him. He's a communist. Right, I'm against him. But he done a good thing when he changed the currency and sent the gold back. Bought up the bonds and sent the gold back. We'll have to do that. Or is the one thing stuck in our face? That is that the Catholic Church owns the wealth of the world. She's got the money. She's got the gold to buy our bonds back again. Exactly. And you think these whiskey dealers, the tobacco dealers and great uh, people of the country won't sell out? They keep from losing all their business and counterfeiting the currency. They'll go right back and take that money from the Catholic Church and then she's sold. Right. Don't the Bible predict that? The wealth of the world? I'm not a politician, neither a smart man. But I thank the Lord I know Him. And That's right. That's where she's going to lay right there. You watch it. Watch to see if that ain't right. I hope we all live to see it. And I don't think we'll have to live too long. But how are you going to do? How are we going to build a church? How are we going to build a nation? How are we going to build a nation upon this now? What are we going to do about it? Maybe I better shut up. Go somewhere else. But you know, I've said enough. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. Look what we want. You, you see what you want? That's what you get. That's your desires. Look at our television programs today, uncensored. Used to be as wrong for our children. We wouldn't let them go down in the, the city and see the bioscopes, the, the picture shows. But now the devil turned right, right back around and, and made it a television and set it in every house. That'd be all right. The television's all right if you got the right thing on it. Certainly it is. But what do you do? It's getting rottener by the hour. Using God's name, swearing, cursing, naked women in moral acts, and poisoning the mind of these children till we've raised up a bunch of beatnecks. That's right. Hoodlums. It's exactly the truth. You might as well look at it. Our whole nation is turning to a bunch of hoodlums. Any boy walk around with his britches hanging off his hips and head hanging back and his hair hanging down his neck like a 
Miss Kennedy's waterhead haircut and going around like that as a hoodlum and then call that American? You've fallen from grace. Repent and turn back to God or you'll perish. That's the reason we, we want to get somebody in here or let us do anything we want to. That's right. That's the way the church is. They want to elect in a pastor. Not a pastor that will stand there and beat the gospel to them. But they want somebody to let them stretch themselves in a bathing suit and play bunko in the basement and live any way they want to. Television programs of uncensored radio, nasty and filth, joining church and the world together. No wonder he must scream out against that stuff. You think the people would receive him when they vote the thing right in? If the pastor preaches over 20 minutes, the trustee board calls him over into the room and says, Look here, pastor, we, did, we didn't bring you here to do something like that. We have 20 minutes program and that's over. Let her go. What he needs to do is kick that bunch of trustees out the door and take the Bible and preach all night like Paul did. And see the resurrection of the dead. Exactly. They put him out of the building and street corners all right. God's able these stones. Television, uncensored, picture shows, dirt, filth, and makes an example. Look at our young kids today. Look at our girls. See little bitty fellows coming from school, not over six years old, seven, eight, lighting up cigarettes. Why is it their mammy before them probably done it? If they didn't do it, then some of the kids are associating with. Watch who your kids play with. Right. You're the other, some time ago, wife knows it. We're sitting at the table, and my little Joseph let out a word that would make a drunken sailor ashamed of himself. I turned around, and I said, what's that? And the mother like to fainted. The little fellow looked innocent. He said, what's the matter, Daddy? And big tears in his eyes. I said, don't you never say a thing like that. He didn't know what it's all about. Come to find out, the kids at school was using that dirty word. I said, honey, that's of the devil. See, there you are, your kids. It's just got into a place, brother, till it's just dog-eat-dog. Such a conglomeration of sin. Oh, my. Television programs. Sin lovers. Pleasure lovers. Oh, my. 20 minutes is long enough. I've got to see the late show. <laughs> see? Hurry up and get this out of here. i got to do this. See? They've done their religion. They went out there, and that's enough. But I tell you, a real man or woman that's born to the Spirit of God will set hour after hour drinking in the Word of God. Not only that, but when it hits there, it anchors and changes a lot. Amen. Yes. It's our people's desires. Our whole setup is corrupted and decayed. It's our people's wants. You take a good man. So like a good man. Put him in a family that's a bunch of uh, pleasure lovers. They lead that man a dog's life. Or a good woman. Either one. Put them in a family that's mixed up. How the whole family should surrender to God. It's our business to pray that our children are saved. Keep our house in order. (laughs) Yeah. We're something like Israel did that made the alliance with their enemies. First. They had to get away from the word before they could do that. And it just goes to show how far America has gotten away from the Word. You know, you you have to deny the truth before you can believe a lie. That's right. Exactly. Eve first had to deny God's Word before she could take Satan's line. 
They had to get away from the word then. Same now. Letting Rome take over without firing a shot. They don't know the word of God about these things. That's what the trouble it is. We need a rising of a true prophet. Bring us back to the word. That's right. We're promised one. We're promised that. Yes, indeed. Malachi 4 said he wouldn't need to restore the faith of the people back to them Pentecostal fathers again. Amos knew that Israel's ungodly lovers would someday destroy her. Now, let me say this with reverence. So does a believer today know that the world, this America's ungodly lovers, is going to destroy her. Your love of politics. I just let that anchor in a minute. That'll destroy the nation. And your love of the world, not coming up with the word and trying to do what's right, will destroy the church. It's exactly right. I hope that's God. The church had left him, left his word of life. The whole world stumbles at it like a stumbling block. They do the same thing today. Yes, if Amos was here, he'd cry against the whole system. Now, in closing, I want to say this. In verse 8, listen close. He said, when the lion roars, who but can fear when the lion roars? Not hunted lions. A lion is a king of the beast. In Africa, I've laid out there on those deserts of a nighttime, under those little grass, or uh, uh, stickers. A lion will jump right in the face of a firing gun. He's not afraid of that, but he won't go near a thorn. You've heard the legend, but that's true. A lion won't go near a thorn. They build up thorn huts like that, and the lion won't jump against it. Otherwise, he could get right, come around right on in. Billy and I, I remember laying out there one night, and you hear his big old mouth popping right around that far from my head. See? But he, he wouldn't get near his big old pad about like that, walking around on the ground. And you can hear everything from hyenas, the laughing hyena, the crying hyena, and and uh, this, this scream, and, and you hear the baboons, the monkeys, and, and the giraffes, and the elephants with them great swine, we, you can hear them for miles, and bugs and beetles of all kinds making their noises. But just let a lion roar in a distance. Even the beetles quit hollering. They listen. Why? It's their king. They listen to it. The Bible said when God's, when the lion roars, who shall not fear? And when God speaks, how can we keep from prophesying? How can we keep from it? When God speaks, the prophet cries out the spoken word. And if it is the word of God, and the lion roars, the beetles, everything hushes. Because they're afraid. Their, their, their king is, is speaking. They got the, the sense enough, the audacity and the honor enough to honor their king when he speaks. So God speaks by his word. And let every creature of his creation take heed. He's speaking in this last days. He's putting forth his word. And let every creature that belongs into his kingdom take heed to what he's saying. Stop. Check up. He's roaring now. 
Roaring by is a vindicated word. He's making himself known. When he roars in these last days, let's take the heed and know that there's something fixing to happen. Knowing that God never does that without first he roars forth. When he roars forth, then something follows that roar. Yes, because he's coming forth then. He said, does a, a, does a lion roar now without a reason? Does a young lion cry out of the cave before he's taken anything? See? God's got a reason to roar because he knows that judgment is at hand. And his word, his word is a prophet. He is, this is the prophecy of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation. God revealing himself to us through his written word and he is the word. And now, this is his word. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. But it's got to be lived and straightened just the way it is. We are dares to take anything from it or add anything to it. God still is God. He is roaring. He says it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, the immorals. And as it was in the days of Lot, he came himself. In a body of flesh and vindicated himself being there to Abraham. Said, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Watch for these things. The evening lights are shining. Oh, if we had Amos on the scene today. Let him roar forth and blast down our systems and our traditions. And the word of God would ride triumph. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. Speak again, roar forth, Lord, with the Holy Ghost. He is the prophet of the hour. He's the prophet of the day, trying to find his way into the hearts of men and women, and he can speak truth. I'm so glad that he's finding some. I pray, Heavenly Father, that he'll find many in here tonight, that he can use someone that's ready to be reverent, when they hear the roar of Almighty God go forth by His Word, judgment is at hand. When a lion roars, He's coming forth. Every, every creature knows He'd better hide because a king is walking forward. God, we only have one safety zone. When the King of Kings roars, that's the blood of Jesus Christ. We have a safety zone. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will speak to hearts tonight and let them know that they're living in the shadows of the coming of Christ when nations are breaking and the things are going on or what they are. And yet, in your tender mercy, we have sinned so much it seemed like you turned your back from us and let us go away. But still, as you was back there in Eden, you make a way of escape. You made a way of escape for Noah. You made one for Moses. And for Daniel, the Hebrew children, you, you're constantly making a way. And those who find it, they walk in the light of God and have life. Those who reject it are condemned and are cast away. I pray, Heavenly Father, there will be none of those in here tonight that's cast away. May they sweetly hear the roar of God, the Holy Spirit speaking down in their hearts and saying, This is I, be not afraid. It's I. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to withhold the altar call for about 10 minutes. I'm a little late. 
Uh, but I believe Billy gave out prayer cards a couple nights ago or something or other up at Brother Gromer's. And I think he's been giving them out last night. I never recall them. And I, don't, I guess he gave them out again tonight. I don't know where he did or not. But let's call some of those cards. Uh, is Brother Gromer here? Gromer? Is he here? Where did we start from? We start from number, did we start from number one? Up there? Last night we didn't have prayer cards. We, the Holy Spirit just went right through the audience and called the people. Do you like that? I do too. And I'm preaching hard like this that maybe I'm a little reluctant. I, I, I give the people a prayer card. I'm obligated to pray for that person. That's all. If we don't have any discernment, that's all right. But I'm obligated to pray for the person. If my son gives out a prayer card, I, I've got to pray for that person. That's all. So I, I feel that way, and I'll do it. With God helping me before I leave the country here, I'll, I'll do that. Now, we can't take too long. Uh, let's see, we started from 1 to 25, I believe it was that night. Yeah, 1 to 25. Uh, Brother Groomer, are you here? Uh, Brother Groomer, I don't pronounce that right, but I think that's right. Wonder, well, let's start over somewhere else tonight. Let's start, um, uh, let's start from 75 then to 100. Who has prayer card number 75? Raise up your hand. Let's see if I... Well, that's right. That's good. All right. Come up here, lady. 75, 74, 70, just 75. Now, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88. On to 100. Let them come here. Where's Billy Paul? Excuse me. Okay, get, uh, go down there. That's some ushers helping to get the prayer line. Now the rest of you, look to me just a minute. Uh, do you love him? Yeah. Let's just softly, sweetly sing just a minute. Well, some of you usher brothers go down there. Oh, thank you. They got them down there. So, they, uh, keep, so the lines won't be mixed up. I want to pray for these people. And then tomorrow we'll probably be praying for the sick just the same and on and on until the convention starts. And... Um, I, uh, I maybe Brother Roberts may have a prayer line up there too, up at the, at the place. I was thinking maybe both of us have one together, one on one side and one on the other, but I, I don't know whether you would like that or not. I haven't talked to him, and I better talk to him first, you see. Brother Oral's a fine brother. He's a real servant of Christ. And he'd be humble enough to do it, but I just kind of hate to throw myself in there as a man like that, you see. So I, I just maybe better let him alone. Well, if he'd tell me, if he'd ask me, Brother Bram, come help me, I'd, I'd be glad to do that. But uh, he's humble and a very sweet brother. And if he'd ask me to do it, I, of course I'd do it. But I want him to ask me first. You see, I better not say nothing about it. Don't you mention it to him. I just let, let him ask me, and then I know it's all right. See? But uh, now, um, now we're going to see how many... Well, now, let's see. How many prayer cards is in the building? Let's see your hand. Oh, there's quite a few more, maybe... 50 more, 40, 50 more, maybe, no, maybe 30 more. All right. Now, we'll get the, we'll get, we'll go to get them. Now, we're, just hold your card. If you're not called, see, it's 10 and Saturday, 10. And I, I want you to get Sunday school in the morning. And maybe tomorrow having two services, we might get rid of, bring her all the cards we got then. <coughs> and then, um, then start off new for Monday again. Where are we at Monday night? Oh, we're down, say Tucson. Don't forget to come down to Tucson now, to the convention down there. Anybody here from Tucson? Yeah, sure. Garden spot of the world? Certainly you should be from there. <laughs> Brother Carl Williams is going to get after me for that someday. When I first come here, there were rival cities, and I see they still are. I'm used to that 
our baseball or basketball team at home. Them rival cities, Jeffersonville, New Orleans. Oh my! Is <laughs> every night there's not a big bunch of fights when they have a game, and I don't know where it could ever be. They're constantly at it. I owe Tucson, but Phoenix has outgrown Tucson many times, I believe, because Tucson I don't think is one third the size of Phoenix. But we're going down there because they got some good sainted people down there. I'm sure. Everywhere I went in the world, plumb into the jungles of Africa, I still find them. Oh, my. I wish I'd get my wife to come up here and sing that song for you one night. They come from the east and west, from the lands of Oregon. I should get up and slip out when I said that. She's scared to death of Brother Rose. Brother Rose said, Sister Branham, is sure we have her come up and say a word. She said, my heart skipped about 15 jumps. I thought I was ducking my head down. I said, Bill, if ever he's anywhere in a meeting, he said, I sure am going to hide. She's real backward, so I, I, I hear her from this and I get home. <laughs> I hope that all you young people, I say this, not because she's here and you know that, and all that know her. I hope that every young man in this building, when he marries a, a, his wife, that she's as sweet to him and you're as happily together as my wife and I have been these years. If there's any credit to be given to the Branham family, let it go to her. She's a queen. She certainly is. One thing, she's a real mother, and then look what she has to put up with, see? And then, well, you'd, you'd be surprised what that is. Well, people at the door day and night, and she stands between me and the public. That's where they're at home. So that's really a hard job. Little old Billy Paul, I think of many times I packed him around when his mother died, just a little baby. Dr. Dare, you say, you're a strange fellow. Now to get down on the street, packed him and him crying for his mother and the cold weather, you know, me hold him up on my shoulder like this and didn't have money to keep his, uh, gave him a real bottle, I had him a Coke bottle with a nipple over it. I put it in here and cup it on my arm, keep it warm. He'd get crying too much. I'd reach him around and stick that nipple in his mouth. <laughs> Let him nurse a little while, put the bottle back down in here. And I had milk all over me and everything, you know. I'd hold him going right on, you know, take him on. Nighttime, my, my house tried to rock him, sleep and get somebody come watch him while I went and prayed for the sick. We come a long ways together. I hope he keeps us that way. I see him yesterday packing his little boy, and I thought, Billy, that was you just a little while ago. Well, that's what we have to do. Move out of the way and give the others a chance. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When a lion roars, see, who cannot fear? And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Is that right? That's what the wise man said. The fear of God. Now, I want you people in that prayer line stand there. All you that know that I know nothing about you, raise up your hand. Everyone. The good Lord of heaven being my judge, as far as I know in my life, I've never seen one of them in my life. They probably see me from sitting out in the audience. Now, how many out there in the audience that knows that I don't know one thing about you, but yet you're sick and you believe that God, you could touch the hem of his garment, and God would speak to me to call you like he did the woman like I read you. Oh, my, no wonder I preached so long. An audience like that with that kind of faith should do it. It's the lady. Now, here's a lady we meet tonight 
as strangers. And now she stands here. Of course, perhaps she's sick. Or she may have some other trouble. See, God does other things besides heal the sick, you know. And so, and uh, he promised to meet all of our needs. Our needs. Sometimes not our wants, but our needs. Now, I want you just to think one now when you go home. Or if you've never read it before, read St. John 4 and, and see now. I hear, now I don't remember, let me say this. I believe this ministry is either, he's going to take me home or step it up. It's, it's right down to this end time or either send me overseas or somewhere where you've never heard it. See, there's something fixing to happen, you just remember. And listen, I am not a tape salesman, but I've got a good brother here that's taking these tapes. And that's Mr. McGuire. I believe it's James McGuire. And his, uh, his uh, uh, father-in-law, Brother Southman, back there. There with these tapes. I would, if any of you got a tape recorder, I'm not going to say anything about it now because I don't know nothing about it, but if you ever bought a tape from him, buy that tape, Sirs, what time is it? <laughs> Listen to it. Sirs, what time is it? Play it prayerfully. And then you'll start praying for me. Because you'll see then what, what predicament I'm standing in right here tonight. Talk about in a predicament. If you only knew what I was standing at right now. But I must go on. A winner never quits and a quitter never wins. That's right. I must practice what I've preached. Now, I believe God. I believe Him right now. Now, here's the point of basis. Now, if I, if I was our Lord Jesus standing here and this woman was sick, you know, I could not heal her if I was the Lord Jesus. I couldn't do it. Because I had already done it. Now, how many knows that's true? Yeah. He's already forgive every sin. He's already healed every sick person. He's already appropriated that blood at the Calvary. The price is already paid. It's all paid. But the only thing you have to do is to accept it. Believe it and accept it. And you cannot accept it until first you believe it. See? Believe the gospel. Now, but what if he was standing here wearing this suit that the good Lord had brother and sister Williams to buy for me about five or six years ago? And uh, what if he was standing here for that suit, wearing this suit? And this woman was standing here. Now, if he had scars in his hand, he'd say, you see, I'm the Messiah. I see the scars. Look over my forehead. Now, any imposter could do that. That's right. You wouldn't know him for that. And if he was standing here like that, I know it wasn't him. I know it wasn't. Because when he comes, the trumpet will sound. We'll, he'll never even come to the earth. We'll be caught up in the air to meet him. See, we catch him in the air. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. He never comes to the earth. We meet him in the air. But now he said, I'll be with you to the end of the world. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. How can he be? His life. Then if his life would be in me, and then I'd be representing him. Then if it would, it would be the same life that was in him. He'd do the same things he did. Now here's a man and woman like St. John 4. He met a woman. Never seen her before. She'd never seen him. And there they stood together. And he told her, the woman at the well, what her trouble was. And when he did that, she said, Sir, I perceive you're, you're a prophet. 
She said, but we know that the Messiah, when he comes, who's called the Christ, means the anointed one. When he comes, he's going to do these things, tell us these things. And he said, I'm he that speaks with you. Now, if he's the same yesterday and forever, only the corporal body, he uses our body. He's the vine, we're the branches. Then that spirit would act again, just exactly like it acted when it's in him. Is that right? Amen. Would it make you believe? Say amen. If you amen. Now, lady, me not knowing you, never seen you in my life as I know of. Of course, you've probably seen me on the street or in the meetings and so forth, but this is our first meeting time. Now, if, if it's healing you need, well, I, I, if I could do it, I would. And uh, I, if I had any way, and if it's finances, if I, if I could help it, I would do it. And if you'd say, uh, might be somebody else, you'd say, I come here, uh, Brother Bram, for you to pray for, uh, for my son or my daughter or my sister or daddy or somebody. I'd do that, see, anything I could. And, um, and if you had uh, domestic trouble, I'd say, I'd like to meet you and your husband together and talk with you somewhere besides here, you see, so I could talk to you both and see just exactly where the fault lay. Then when the Holy Spirit reveals, say, wait a minute, you did this right here at this certain time. That settles. <laughs> he can't deny that. Say, so you did this over here. Then that's settled. You see, now you start from right there. See, that way it's done. Now, you know, I'm talking to you for some purpose. I've been preaching, see. And then I'm, I'm just getting myself in an anointing for something else, you see. To see if the Holy Spirit will come and work upon me with a divine gift. That is, the two consciences laying right together. Which gives me uh, the grace of God to see visions and see what's happened, what will happen, what has been. You know whether it's truth or not. You're standing here before at least 500 people, or close to it, 300, anyhow. And, and you know you know where it's truth or not. And, and if it is truth, then it's God. The Bible said there be one among you, spiritual prophet. What he says comes to pass, then hear him. Now, if it doesn't, then don't hear him. Now, I have no idea what the lady's there for. But now, just let the Holy Spirit come and see if he don't tell it. And if that won't be the same thing our Lord did, that'd be all he could do if he's standing right here. Because remember, it is him. It's him. It's not me. I don't know her. I'm confessing. I know her not. So take it. Now, of course, a lady does have a wonderful feeling to her spirit. Not because she's got her hand up. You all been in meetings and see them put their hand up and do like that. And the Holy Spirit call right back and tell them what they were. <laughs> That's right. I don't mean anything. You hear him scream and shout right there and tell him right then you're living with this man's wife so right over here and everything else. Well, you know, you've been in meetings and seen those things and see how and things. I don't mean a thing. But lady seems to be a, a wonderful feeling to her spirit. Now, the lady is suffering with something wrong. I watch her the way she's eating. She's before me now at a table and kind of diving or something, kind of an odd-like dive. That's right. Is that true? And raise up your hand so the people see it. See? I've seen the lady before me doing something. Whatever it was, it's on the table. See? All right. Now, just so that you know why she's a nice person. Just watch just a moment. Now the Spirit is anointing. Now everybody said, real reverend. Be praying. Be in prayer. Because the scene moved right over the audience, just saying, see. I'd be real reverend. Let's see the lady again, just to speak with her. <clears throat> um, everybody told you, yeah, here it is. It's at a table. It's a, it's a stomach trouble. 
and some kind of like an infection or something in the stomach. A doctor has been looking at this and say you've had this trouble for a long time. And once it was pronounced ulcer, it that rise. And uh, now he said something. What was that? Do, do them, do them, do them. I heard him say that. See, that's right. That's exactly right. Your name is Miss McCraw. Yes. That's right. Go ahead now. Believe with all your heart. After crying like that, sitting back there, sir, that collapsed lungs that you had ought to feel lots better by now. If you believe. It's all right now. All right? I did it. Amen. What did he touch? Man about two behind him there with hardening of the arteries. If you believe also, sir... What did he touch? <laughs> Can't you see that light hanging right there? Look there. Amber. There. I don't know the man. Never seen him in my life. Just believe the Lord Jesus. Now, somewhere there's a little baby here. The infant's got a crooked neck. There it is. I don't know her. Believe, sister, that baby's neck will straighten up. You'll believe it. What did she touch? <laughs> Hallelujah. There's <laughs> something else about a neck. I've seen it as a woman. I can't place her. Yeah, she's sitting here weeping. Miss Riley? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your neck will be well. <laughs> Believe. I don't know the woman. I've never seen her in my life. All the thing you have to do is believe Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Have faith. I don't know you, sir. We're strangers to one another as far as I know. You believe Jesus Christ can tell me what your trouble is? You know whether it would be right or not, don't you? You can believe with all your heart. It keeps going to the audience. <laughs> you believe your wife out there is going to get all right too? Eye trouble, she suffers with an eye trouble, believe it. You're not from here. No, you're from where there's a lot of water some way. It's coastal city. It's California. Los Angeles. Return on back. Mr. Bowman. Get well if Jesus Christ will make you well. You believe? Now you everyone can be healed right now if you believe it. You believe that? What about you in the prayer line? You believe it too? You just have faith and don't doubt. Believe with all your heart in a minute. This lady, the reason I stopped with her, she's in serious condition. 
This woman will die right away if something isn't done for it. Or she's shattered. Is that a dark shadow over? Say, you know, we got the shadow of that death over people talking by a picture camera. It's like the angel of the Lord we got hanging in our church. Big, big black looking thing like a cyclone hanging over a woman. They told her not to take the picture and the Holy Spirit said, take it right now. And they snapped the picture and there it was. Both sides, here's hanging right there. You people from the tabernacle, some of you share sure, Brother Fred, now, here's that same thing hanging right with this woman. She's got cancer. That's right. The bladder. That's right. Is that right? Raise up your hands. That's true. Now the darkness is gone. You know, that same woman. Just your faith. That's it. Don't believe it. Amen. Heart trouble kills a lot of people, but it won't kill you if you believe. Then I'm just going to say, All right. The devil like to make you have this arthritis all your life, but if you believe with all your heart, Jesus Christ will make you well. You believe it? Start on your road. Thank you, God. You believe with all your heart, you go eat your supper, and that stomach trouble will leave you. Just go and say, Praise the Lord. You go believing with all your heart. You had also a stomach trouble. Believe with all your heart and go and Jesus Christ will make you well. All right? What's you so scared about? You're bothered with nervousness. Just about got you down. Almost in a breakdown. Satan lying to you. But it's finished now. You believe me? Go and say praise the Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll heal our sister and make her well. In Jesus' name. Come believe me, sister. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'll lay my hands on her for her healing. Come, my brother. In the name of Jesus Christ, I lay my hands on the brother for his healing. How many's got a believing heart under a hand that'll raise up? Now lay that hand over on somebody next to you. You say, would Amos say that? He certainly would. That's the word of the Lord. You raise your hand, you believe. Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, didn't even say they pray for them. Said if they lay their hands on the sick, just a hand laying on them, they shall recover. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, the King has roared with His voice. These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Lord God, may every demon scream. May every sickness leave. May the devil be defeated. And the children of God go out of this building tonight in the victory and power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Leave it. That's right. Just stay right with it. Say, keep your hand on somebody saying, Lord, heal them. I want you to pray. I prayed. I want you to pray for somebody. You're, you're, the, you're a Christian like I am. We're all Christians. Now you pray for somebody. They're praying for you. Now how would you want somebody to pray for you? You pray for them like you want somebody to pray for you. Do unto others, you have others do unto you. Pray right out. Be sincere. Just like you want them to pray for you. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. God shall raise them up. And if they've had any unbelief, it'll be taken away from them. Wow! The king roars! Who can but prophesy? Who can but testify when the king roars? His word says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever.